Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I'm Tammy. I'm Michelle. I'm Gracie. And a hug is a gesture intended to convey a sense of care, support, safety, intimacy, and affection. And even though we can't wrap our arms around you, we want you to consider yourself hugged. Welcome back, friends, and happy Valentine's Day. If you are watching, you will see my red necklace. It's really the only red necklace that I have. If you're listening, just know that I'm wearing a red necklace. And if you are watching or listening after the day it drops, then you're like, wait a minute, it's not Valentine's Day. But this episode drops on Wednesday, February 14th. So I hope February has been fantastic to you. Last time we were together, we started our journey of emotional maturity. And we talked about the importance of going on this quest, not just because it was Valentine's month, but just because it's important, you know, to grow, to to mature in our daily interactions and all those things. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, because this is a four-parter, so this is part two. If you have not listened to episode one, I encourage you to go back and do that and the link to the self-assessment. So there is a little quiz there. That is in episode one too. So I'll put the link in the show notes, go download that assessment. And, you know, I don't think I asked this last week, but put it, if you want to put your score or your thoughts about it in the show notes, do a comment or on Facebook or wherever it is that we interact. So I wanted to to go through, I want to recap in just a minute, but I've been thinking for the past couple of days, why is this topic so important to me? Last time I shared a story about, you know, something and you can go back and listen to it, but I was thinking even more, like, why is this so important to me? And And this is part of what I'm asking you to do too, is become more self-aware, spend more time in your own brain, which can be good or scary or happy or sad, I don't know, depending on how your brain operates. But I realized it's so important to me because for so much of my life, and I would even say up until maybe, let's see, what year are we in? 2024? Maybe up until about 10, 12 years ago, I lived most of my life emotionally immature, especially if you compare it to the 10 hallmarks that I talked to you about last week. So Let's let's do let's recap with me throwing in some little things about like what how did I know I was emotionally mature? These are the 10 things, and today we're going to talk about three of them, but here are the 10 as a recap. Number one, um, self-awareness. I had zero. Now, this is past me. I'm better now. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. Number two, self-regulation. I probably had like, you know, in the negative numbers in that. Number three, empathy. Like I couldn't even understand myself, much less feeling for others. Number four, responsibility. Nope. I always blamed other people, circumstances, whatever for anything emotionally in my life. No, I was not responsible. Number five, adaptability. No, any change will put me into a tailspin. Number six, resilience. I don't even think that was a thing when I was younger, younger, I mean, I'm going to be 60 this year. So those of you who might be in my sort of generation, do you remember ever, or, or, you know, what? even younger people, I don't really remember talking about resilience until after we came out of the pandemic, but anyway, so yeah, no, I didn't even know what that was. Number seven, effective communication. You know, well, if you consider passive aggressive being effective, then I nailed it. 
Number eight, conflict resolution. I was like, what is that? Like conflict resolution to me in years past just meant that I would avoid fighting with you. I would avoid an argument and run away, or I would yell at you. Those were my methods. Not really great. Number nine, realistic optimism. I was more a fan of realistic negativism, negativity. And number 10, healthy relationships. I don't think any of my relationships are healthy. Now, as I'm saying all these things, I'm thinking, well, that is really not shedding a great light on me. But I'm being completely honest with you. Growing up with like the mental health challenges, never knowing that it could be any better, like never knowing that I could become self-aware and regulate things and still feel for others and all that stuff. No, that's why this is so important to me. So I learned and it's, it's still a process. And every time I do an episode of this podcast, I go dig again, I read again, I learn more. And so some of the things that I'm going to tell you today, um, I've done and some of the things I'm going to tell you today are things that I went and researched and and I thought, wow, I never thought of this. So these are the things I'm going to present to you today. So we're going to today we're going to dive deep into the first three hallmarks of emotional maturity. I have a couple of videos I'm going to share for you with you, personal and one on YouTube. So grab your notebook, grab your coffee, relax, and let's explore together. So I'm going to read some things to you as we go along. Um, Self-awareness, number one, because it's all about that person in the mirror, right? Like looking at that person. And last week I hinted at how crucial self-awareness is to becoming emotionally mature. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's like the cornerstone. It's the foundation. And have you ever said the phrase, wow, he or she has little self-awareness, but I wonder too, if anybody has ever said that about us. And I know people have said it about me in the past. I'm sure they have and probably still do because there are always going to be those blind spots. So let me read to you a few of the favorite things that I know and that I found about self-awareness. It's the deep knowledge of your personal strengths. That's easy one, right? Weaknesses thoughts, beliefs, motivation, emotion, and then it's more. It's understanding your needs, your desires. It's recognizing your emotional triggers and realizing how your emotions and your actions align or don't align with what you value. And so to cultivate this practice of self-awareness, we need to spend regular time with ourselves and our brains and ask ourselves some tough questions, you know, like, why is that a trigger? Why did I react that way? Why did I feel that way? You know, yesterday I called a friend and I was sharing with her something that had happened with a person. And I said, I really need you to help me figure out, was I, was I evaluating what happened? I hate to say the word correctly, but you know what I mean? Was I being oh, what's the word? Was I being logical in my assessment? Or was the way that I felt about it more a commentary on like my self-esteem? So by better understanding ourselves, we can we can make better decisions personally and professionally. So for each of these today, for each of these three, I have 10 things. I will, some of them I will just read and they will all be in the show notes. And in fact, what I'm gonna do is, post them as 
individual tip sheets. And from there, it's up to you, you know, to go a little bit further, because for these few weeks, I, I want this to be a deep dive. But then for each one of those, oh, my goodness, I mean, we could keep diving deeper. So these will be in the show notes as a tip sheet. It's a lifelong thing. It's crucial to our emotional maturity and our personal personal growth. So 10 strategies for our first one. Number one is journaling. What better way to get in touch with your brain, what you're thinking, what your triggers are, why you reacted, how you feel, than to journal. I have gone through seasons in my life where I've journaled, not journaled. Right now, I'm using a tool that my son has created that has helped me. It's an AI tool. I'll spend more time with you when that actually is released. But there are lots of AI ways to journal today too. So find what works for you. Journaling, I'm not a big fan of, you know what? I don't really like to write, but I like to talk. So journaling for me can be talking through in, in, in a notes section, but some way for you to get in touch with how you're feeling and what you're thinking. Now there is science that the writing part helps but if I'm not going to do it, then it's not super helpful. So for me, it's more about speaking. Number two, personality tests. I know there's a million, million of them out there. I'll put a link for you in the show notes. I've written one. I actually written two versions of it. What type of coffee are you and what type of chocolate are you? The coffee one, you can take on my, you can take the quiz online, but there's, there's Enneagram, there's Myers-Briggs, there's DISC. If it's been 20 years since you've taken a personality test, Take one of those, and I would even suggest go further. Take it with your friends and family and maybe people you work with because that helps for you to look at you through your own eyes and through other people's eyes as well. Number four, solicit feedback. Ugh. If you've been with me for any time, you know, I mean, it's feedback that basically put me in the mental hospital. Not blaming because, see, for years I did blame but that was the precipitating factor was getting negative feedback. So it's really hard for me, but it, but from people you trust, and that's really important. I can accept it from my daughter. Sometimes it's hard to accept it from my husband because, you know, he's the person that I, that I spend most of my time with and I value his opinion so much, but I can also get my feelings hurt. So that's kind of a tough thing, but I just got feedback right before I started with you. I got an email from an event that I did and she said, I hope that I can share this feedback with you. Um, we had already, let me back up. She had already shared wonderful feedback that made me so happy because people loved the content, but the feedback she wanted to let me know was that the music was too loud. I can handle that. Okay. But when it comes to your emotions, it might be tough. Um, number five, set aside time for self-reflection. My time is on my walk in the morning. And for right now, it's become the part um, ab about doing that, that app that I told you about. So choose time. Now don't beat yourself up if you miss it, but take time and, and, and call it that time to regularly reflect on the why of what's going on in your life. Number six, explore your passions. Notice when you lose track of time, what activities are you drawn to? And these can be an indicator of your passions and your values. And the reason that's important is because it helps to know if your actions and things are syncing up with what you love. Number seven, create a life timeline. 
look at a friend of mine did this with us with a Bible study. It was so amazing. And this will help see the events in your life that shaped you. And so you can look back and see, okay, that was an important event. What did I learn from that? And how did it shape the way that I respond, my triggers, things like that. Number eight, practice saying no. Um, I'm going to put a link to a couple of things. I don't like it when I hear people say no is a complete sentence. That's true. But if we, if we, if we go from saying, okay, I don't like to say no to somebody telling me just say no, that's really hard. There are some in-between ways to do that. And the reason that that's important is practicing saying no, again, allows you to figure out what you value and then looking in your at your life as far as the choices that you're making. Number nine, learn about this concept of emotions. I'll put links in the show notes to a couple of sessions. I think I promised you to do that last time and I didn't, but it's important to understand what emotions are and there's simple emotions and there's complex emotions and we want to expand our emotional vocabulary and just our emotional intelligence overall. And number 10, mindful listening. This helps us to understand other people's perspective. It helps us to clarify how we're feeling while they're talking if we spend time being good listeners. So that's the 10. Actively engaging in these helps us um, enhance our self-awareness. It helps us to grow. And I really believe this is the key. This is foundational. So that's number one. With self-awareness, because being aware is not exactly enough, we also have to now begin to work on self-regulation. So if we are spouting off all the time and we're aware of it and we know why it's happening, that still really doesn't help us in our lives. So number two is self-regulation. And so a really cool way to think about it is waves. Think about the waves in your life. That waves can be, I mean, real waves in the ocean, they can be calm or they can crash wildly. And self-regulation is when you look at your life like that, things can be calm in your life and things can be crazy. But self-regulation is a sort of a of rolling on those waves, circling those waves, but not con controlling the ocean. I'm going to share something with you. I want you to watch this video and see what you think. And if you are listening and not watching, just envision a four-year-old little girl sitting in the sand being pounded by the waves. So that was my oldest granddaughter, Riley, who is now 20 or almost 20. Sometimes it, it gets hard to remember. I hope that you could hear. Um, she was being pounded by the ocean waves and she was saying, stop that, stop that, right? So we know that you cannot control the ocean. She was, I think, four years old then. And she didn't have the ability to know that you can't stop the waves, 
But if you saw someone, if you saw her now at 20 or almost 20, yeah, she's 20. Anyway, I don't know. But if if we saw her in the ocean now and the waves hitting her and she's screaming, stop that, we would question what was going on there. You know, we would think something was not really right. So now let me read to you. I love that video, by the way. We laugh about it all the time. Now, let me read you a little bit about what self-regulation means. So it refers to managing your emotions and your impulses. Remember, being aware of them is one thing, managing them is another. Instead of reacting to feelings in the moment, self-regulation self involves taking a step back, gaining perspective, considering the consequences of what we do before we actually do it. It's about finding strategies to be calm when we're angry, to feel more cheer when we're sad, or to stay focused when we're distracted. Uh, techniques can include mindfulness. We're going we're gonna to talk about those. But it's also about self-regulation. It's also about setting and working towards your goals, which requires discipline, motivation, and the ability to delay gratification while we're working on things. Again, we're going to do 10. Some of them I'll spend time on. Some of them I'll go faster. Number one, mindfulness meditation. Practicing mindfulness to become more aware of your thoughts, your feelings, and your sensation. This can help you recognize when you need to employ self-regulation strategies. I, I've been talking about this a lot lately because I was a person who, until about October, November, December, about six months ago, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I was a person who would say things like, yeah, I know I need to like be mindful and stop and meditate and all those things, but I don't have time. Or I would say my mind just races too much. Um, so two things happen. One of them, and you've probably heard this story, but one of them is that I did a three minute mindfulness meditation moment in a teacher seminar I was teaching back in August. I taught the same one hour class. 15 times that week. And I did the same three minute mindfulness meditation with them. I'll put the link. I did it. So I did it with them. And by the time I got home, I found myself doing it. Now I do it almost every day. And I recognize now that when I'm giving, when I'm given five free minutes, like at a doctor, if they just say, we need you to be still and not do anything for five minutes, I'm like, okay, thank you. So that happened. The second thing is I tripped over my dog and you all can see my scars beginning to heal. The reason I tripped over my dog is because I just wasn't being, I wasn't present in the moment. Three minutes, five minutes, whatever you can take. And, and mindfulness is about being aware of your sensations without judging them. So paying more attention, that's important, number one. Number two, deep breathing techniques. Practice those things. Um, there is um, one of the, actually, I'm going to give you a link to my play, playlist about being mindful. I found one recently that has a great breathing tool. So be sure when you're doing deep breathing that when you breathe in, that you breathe out all of that air. Because if you don't, what you're actually doing is hyperventilating. When you practice deep breathing, then when you are in the middle of an emotional response, you can, you can pull that up as a tool and it will help decrease the intensity of the emotions that you're feeling. Number three, progressive 
muscle relaxation. I'm going to send you a link to one that is very, very good. Um, there's another word that people are using now. It's a body scan. It's called a body scan. What that does is it helps you start from either your head to your toe or your toe to your head, and you relax different muscle groups. Again, what these techniques, so you're not doing this in the middle of an emotional response, but what all of these techniques do is that they help give you tools so that when you're in the middle of a reaction, you know, emotions are running high, it has taught you to have more control over the muscle groups in your body. Number four, cognitive reframing. I figured, you know, we could throw a fancy word in here. So this is involving identifying your thoughts and replacing them with more positive or helpful ones. And this is part of what I talk about in the stress club. Instead of all of my thoughts are, I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out. No, two things need to happen. First of all, I need to identify the emotion that I'm feeling. And that's part of cognitive reframing. No, I'm not stressed out. I'm, I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm afraid. And then the thought, I'm angry because I think I'm not being valued for my contribution. Do you see how it takes it to a different level? Not just that I'm stressed out, but here's what's happening. Number five, setting clear goals and breaking them down. If you've ever heard of SMART goals, any of those things, find a goal setting. What this helps do is focus us more. So we're talking about self-regulation focus more and reducing just impulsive behavior. So what that means is, for example, I am a person who jumps. Do you know what I mean? Do you, does anybody identify with me? I jump. I don't think first I jump. And oftentimes that doesn't work well because I don't think it through. And I actually just got off of a call and I, I'm actually just thinking of this as I'm talking to you. I realized that I've that I'm still a jumper. However, had someone present an opportunity to me and I really like this person, but I was able to stop, ask questions, think about my business, think about my goals. And I didn't jump. Pat on the back, good for me. Number six, delayed gratification practice. This is a little bit related to the goal setting, meaning that you can put off a larger reward that's bigger instead of just jumping on a smaller reward that is smaller. And there's something called the marshmallow test. You may have heard of it. It was a study, I think it was at Stanford back in the 1970s, where they put a child in a room with one small marshmallow and they left them for 15 minutes. And they said, if you don't eat it, when we get back, then you can have a second marshmallow or a pretzel stick. And so what they found in this study was that children who were able to wait longer and put off gratification had better life scores events, like higher SAT scores, things like that. Now it's been challenged, but it's still an interesting, I mean, we see things like this on like America's Funniest Videos or TikTok or whatever, but being able to, for example, not spending your money to go to out to eat five times when what you're saving for is a week-long vacation. And this teaches us emotional regulation, emotional maturity. Ooh, number seven, emotional awareness. Keep an emotions diary to keep track of your feelings. R maybe you have patterns, okay? Maybe it, um, maybe at certain, and when I say times of the month, I don't mean, you know, with, with women necessarily, although that can be true. 
but I mean, maybe it's, uh, maybe when you're getting closer to, maybe you're an accountant and you do payroll and there's certain times of the month where you know you're going to be more emotional. And this can help with that self-regulation. Number eight, problem solving skills. Huge. I think I have uh, a session on problem solving. I'll put the link there, but I will recommend a book and I'll put a link called Emotional Intelligence at Work. If it's that one or another one, engaging in problem solving, one of the biggest things I did to help with my emotional re regulation. Number nine, developing healthy habits. Take care of yourself. Pay attention to your caffeine intake, to your sleep, to your diet, to your exercise. All of those things regulate, help you regulate emotions. Number 10, it's just like we said before, seeking feedback. I've already said it, not going to talk about that more. So implementing these things can help you improve your self-regulation. You know, back to Riley, just like I said it before, we would expect to see some growth in her not wanting to control the ocean as she gets older. I don't know, maybe we should do a repeat video of that and see how that goes. So we've learned some skills for self-awareness, for self-regulation. Now let's do the last one. Let's move on to empathy. Empathy is that bridge that takes it from, okay, self-regulation inside, uh, sorry, self-awareness inside, self-regulation, beginning to build skills with our emotions. And then empathy is where we start to take it out as a bridge to other people. It's the ability to tune into someone else's frequency. So in light of that, let me share this fun little video with you. Um, I'll say one of those times where I say, if you know me at all, then you know Big Bang Theory is one of my favorite things in the world. So let's watch Sheldon. If you don't know, sort of the backdrop is that Sheldon has some difficulty in the realm of he's a genius, and sometimes he has a difficult time picking up on other people's emotions. So a university has come up with a machine to help him do that. So let's see what happens. And once again, apologies if you are listening and not watching. Just envision three people sitting around and one of them, Sheldon, is trying to look at someone's face, Amy Farrah Fowler, and figure out what emotion she has while Howard tries to organize the whole thing. This thing's pretty cool. It interprets emotions using a wireless signal to analyze subtle changes in breathing and heart rate. That's amazing a machine can do that. Yes. Now when the robots rise up, they'll know that I've been rooting for them the whole time. <laughs> the display is synced to your phone. Give it a try. All right. Now I'm going to look at some pictures to prompt an emotional response, and we'll see if the machine can identify them accurately. Remember, it can only detect happy, sad, angry, and excited. Not other things you're feeling like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> okay. I'm looking at the first picture. You are happy? Yes, I'm looking at puppies. Oh, okay. somebody's ignoring their tiny needle teeth, but all right. <laughs> Try another one. Okay. What does it say I'm feeling? Sad. Yes, I'm looking at a picture of my grandma. Well, that makes sense, because she's gone and you miss her. Yes. And you're worried that turkey neck is in your future. <laughs> Well, now, see, now it says you're mad. Make up your mind. <laughs> oh, I hope you were able to hear all that. I'll have to go back and look and make sure the sound played. But I 
love Big Bang Theory. And I think we can learn so much from empathy. So empathy is that ability to understand what someone else's experiences. And one of the things we're going to talk about is like reading facial cues, but poor Sheldon. And even when he does read the facial cues, he still doesn't really understand how to respond. But let's, let me tell you a little bit about empathy and what it is. So it's more than just recognizing someone else's emotions, which we just saw. It's about truly feeling them. It's, it's vital for building and maintaining strong personal and professional relationships. So it involves active listening, withholding judgment, communicating, understanding, all those things. But it's not just about providing solutions. Often it's, it's when we're listening, it's just about being present and supportive. Developing empathy can lead to more compassionate actions. It can improve our interactions with those around us and break down barriers to see the world from multiple perspectives. Now this, for this one, this is the one where there are a few things that I was like, I never really, I really, there were two in particular that I thought that's a really great way to see this. And so when it requires intention, it requires practice. So here we go. Number, and some of these I've got to go faster to, because I think I've held you too long. Number one, active listening, which means we're looking at them. We're turning away from devices. We are paying attention without trying to formulate a response. Unless, you know, we have a question or something. It's really focusing on their perspective and their feelings. Doesn't mean we have to agree with them but we're focusing on understanding. Number two, vulnerability. This is a big one. If you feel comfortable sharing your own emotions and your own experiences with other people can help them see you as a person, build trust with them, make it easier for, share, for them to share with you. It can foster that really deep relationship. Number three, this is one I, I hadn't thought about, just calling it curiosity. Approach conversations with a sense of curiosity. Asking open-ended questions that encourage others to express themselves. I love that. So, and you might even say, you know, I'm curious. Can you tell me more? Number four, one that Sheldon, you know, this shows it's not the end-all be-all. Body language awareness, facial expressions, gestures, tone of voice. All of those things can be signals that help deepen your understanding of other people's emotions. And going back to remembering this what we're talking about here is emotional maturity. And I want this. I want emotional maturity. Number five, perspective taking. And this is where you imagine yourself in someone else's shoes. You try to experience what they might be feeling. You know, my husband and I had an interaction a couple of days ago where he he told me, he was like, you, you made me feel like what I was saying was not important. And I really, in that moment, tried to put myself in his shoes. It took a bit. It really did, but it's part of growth. That's what I'm telling you. I still mess up all the time. Number six, emotional literacy. So this is what we talked about before, but in, in the one before when we talked about regulation, we talked about, I said, understanding your own emotions, right? Emotional intelligence, but emotional literacy is recognizing and trying to understand more emotions in others so you can better empathize. Number seven, this is one that I read about and I wanted to add that I was like, oh my gosh, I reading fiction. I this I don't remember where this came from, but engaging with stories about different lives and experiences 
can help you understand a broader range of perspectives. When I read, I get so caught up that I find myself praying for the people and it does change me. So I thought that was fine. I didn't know I was developing my emotional experiences or my emotional intelligence maturity by reading fiction. Number eight, mindfulness and self-reflection. So this is where some of the things we've talked about before come together. The more we understand us, the more we look at our own self non-judgmentally, it helps with our other, our interactions with others. Number nine, challenging prejudices and stereotypes. Be aware of your own. We all have them. Challenge them. Be curious with your own self as to why. Maybe the timeline you created will help you with that. Number 10, seek diverse relationships. It doesn't mean you go out and seek a friend from another culture just to have a friend from another culture, but but open yourself up to having relationships with people from different backgrounds and learning from them and asking them questions. It's an honor, I think, for most people to be asked. Number 11, then we're going to practice compassion. It means using phrases like, that must have been really hard. That's a compassionate thing, practicing it. And number 12, if you feel like it's something that would help you, I think it would help Sheldon. There are programs to develop empathy, especially if you're having trouble with that in your relationships and at work, dive deeper. We did it. So we recapped all 10 or just, you know, mentioned them and how I was awful at them. And then we did 10. We talked about what self-awareness is and 10 ways to develop it, what self-regulation is and 10 ways to develop it, and what empathy is and 10 ways to develop it. I hope that you will practice these things. I hope that you will comment on them. Remember to go back and listen to episode one, download the quiz, take the quiz, um, look at some places where you may be challenged. And I think we've wrapped it up. So remember, go to the show notes, do those things. If you're a woman and you haven't joined my private Facebook place book group, a place for women, the link's in the show notes. I would love for you to follow me on my professional page, Facebook, Tammy West Seminars. Stay in touch with me. And next time we will do the next three or four, probably four. I think that's all. Comment, download, subscribe, invite your friends. Thanks for being here. And until we're together next week, happy Valentine's Day and consider yourself hugged.